Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are living in 2019, contemplating why Vince McMahon is on the metaphorical barren bus, we are back in the early 90s, where Vince McMahon gave somebody that he loved a literal bus to tour in. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie. Radio presenter without portfolio, and your reigning cultaholic champion, Tom Campbell. And I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of cultaholic. A pencil is as wanted as said Lex Luger bus. It is Justin Henry from Off of America. What's going on there, champ? I'm struggling, Justin. I'll be honest. Why is that? Because... I've been having a lovely time for the last two weeks as your reigning cultaholic champion. I've taken this belt up and down the country and we've met loads of great people. And now Adam Pachisi's got ants in his pants about the whole thing. I'm getting cease and desist letters online in the post. And do you know what? It soured it a bit for me, Justin. Like, I'm having a lovely time here. I feel like Joey Janella. To Adam Pachitti's Jim Cornette, and I've just seen his tweets. That's how I feel. I was going to say Adam Pachitti's Enzo Amore. Oh, I mean, that's that's a real insult. I'm going to I'm going to take that. Um, and then you get in a fight at like a Max Street Preachers concert or something. <laughs> You'll be on the Isle of Wight festival. Um, <laughs> that's because it's near where he's from. Um, I've had a little think about what I'm going to do with this belt now because I've been enjoying it, but now I'm just. It's getting a bit legal and it's ruining it a bit for me. So I've had a little think and uh, you've heard it here first. Uh, by the end of the week, a decision will be made on what I'm going to do with this Cultaholic Championship. Well, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, as they say. I know. It's not even a crown, mate. It's a belt. How are you, more importantly? Well, I don't have a belt, but I'm doing fine. Do you know what? You have the championship of my heart. You've always had that. I'm going to vacate it then. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna turn on me as well. Well, that's just fine. No, 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 no. I, 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 I couldn't do that. So. We'd like to thank Classic. you for joining us for our one-year anniversary uh, last week. I'd like to thank our new friend of the show, Rob Bartlett, for stopping by as well. How fun was that? I know that was amazing. It's uh, I was, I thought, I thought it was gonna end up being just another of your wacky voices wouldn't have been like oh no that's uh 
you can't do a Jewish comedian from New York. I don't think. <laughs> so I, I've had in my life, like the two toughest secrets I've ever had to keep. One was when I surprised my good lady by taking her to Disneyland. And the other was not telling you that Rob Bartlett's coming on the show. <laughs> I can see how they're comparable. Very, very comparable. <laughs> so this is where myself and Justin Henry, we go back in time via our Icapro powered DeLorean and we chronologically critique WWF from 1993 onwards. And we've just started 1994 and we are uh, now kicking off the second year of the lifetime of Monday Night Raw. Justin, where and when are we this week? Well, this is a very unusual show because we're blending real-life live action with taped matches from a week earlier, and they're trying to be clever about this. And it, and as you've seen through this show during your watch of it, it's almost seamless how they did this. But there, but there, but there it does it does lead to some questions. But, okay. But but as for the visuals here of, of what we're seeing, this is taped. Is aired on January 17, 1994. It was taped one week earlier in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we, we start out with the highlights of last week, the tag team title switch when, when Team Underdog, 1-2-3-Kid and Marty Jannetty, uh, defeated the Quebecers for the belts. And, of course, you know that leads into tonight when we have the rematch, but not on Raw. No, no, the, um, the rematch is happening... Uh, well, elsewhere in Madison Square Garden. And the, the means in which they keep us posted on this are in equal measure baffling and also for the time quite interesting. Yeah, it does lead to some questions. And as we delve into how they're going to do this, we will pose those questions, put, put them out verbally and try to figure out you know, what they were thinking exactly and, and how dumb they thought their audience was. But we start off with <laughs> quite possibly my favorite color commentator ever. In the in the rotating Rolodex of Vince McMahon's sidekicks for the week, we have not Jim Cornette, not Shawn Michaels, not the awesome Johnny Polo. We have Crush. <laughs> this was weird. Because you've got all those people there. Like in the venue. Uh, yeah, and well, not Polo. He's a uh, he's in New York, as you know. Okay, with the exception of Polo, but you've got, I mean, I mean, you've got Shawn Michaels there. We know that much, I think. Do we? We do. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's there because because he's there with Diesel later on. But Crush is a uh, well, Savage is wrestling on the show since Crush and Savage had the big feud going. Uh, Randy Savage is wrestling Erwin R. Shyster. So they're using Crush you know, as kind of a commentary conduit in order to get under Savage's skin a little bit more and, and flesh out that feud. It's been going for close to four months now, actually. This could be one of the longest running feuds at the moment. Because think about it, this thing started before Brett and Owen, before the seeds well, were planted for the Hart Brothers. Well, this team was planted actually six months ago. It was right after the 4th of July episode of Raw when Savage inadvertently left Crusher dead against Yokozuna. Oh, see, it's even further back than that. Jeez, this is the longest-running episodic feud in Monday Night Raw history at this point. Yeah, thanks, Michael. 
<laughs> so, so Crush's ensemble here is dressed like a henchman out of some like, you know, suburban ninja movie, with a sleeveless flannel shirt, dark jeans, and he has his face paint. I'm going to assume that he wears his face paint wherever he goes, whether it's convenience store, whether it's to the massage parlor, bowling alley, wherever he goes in his daily life. He has he has his two part piece scheme going. I think he gets up about an hour earlier than everybody else, just so he can put a full face on before he faces the world. Yeah, some people just have to put their face on before they go out in public, and I guess Crush is one of them. Crush just wants to feel fabulous. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to be able to face the world looking fabulous, and boy does he! And we're not casting any aspersions about him at all because uh, he's still quite scary here, as evidenced by him staring at the camera unblinking and threatening Randy Savage. <laughs> a terrifying individual. Makes for a hell of a color commentator. We want to see that sort of menacing from a color commentator until Mongo came along. Just, I, I, yeah, it's, do you know what? He is the second most menacing commentator in history. Just scowling at Vince McMahon as we start. And just immediately launching into brother, 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 brother. Like I, I, I lost track on my brodometer of how many times he said brother throughout this episode. I did make reference in my notes to a brother counter and how we need one. We should have had a brodometer. <laughs> That's even better, brodometer. How many times did he say brother during the course of this broadcast? Do you know what? If you want to watch along with us and just tweet either at JRH Writing or at Tom Campbell, the official brodometer count. We will we will reward you in some way. Don't know what yet. We need to sponsor somehow, like the Valvoline presents the Bradometer. <laughs> John, what does the Bradometer look like? I'll leave that with you, John Eiley from Photoshop. Does the Cooper Power DeLorean have a Bradometer? I I think it's something they installed later on. I think, I think based on this episode, in the unlikely event they gave Crush a microphone for longer than 40 minutes again, they did install a brodometer in the later Iker-propowered DeLoreans. And is it against the law to turn back the brodometer before, you know, trying to sell it? If you sell can, uh, it makes Crush, it makes, it turns Crush back into a member of Demolition. <laughs> it, it rewinds things back too far. If we don't go too far back, he'll lose his mullet. <laughs> and if you wind it too far forward, it becomes The Undertaker. Ooh. No, he doesn't. That's Brian Lee. Just checking yeah. you're awake. I was going to say. <laughs> How about... There's a better Kiss Demon joke in there somewhere. There you go. He becomes a Kiss Demon if you wind it forward. Forget I said The Undertaker bit. Let's go with Justin's correct answer <laughs> of the Kiss Demon. I'll be a friendly one appearance. Before we said, uh, no. So we start out with Owen Hart versus Terry Austin. Hey, Owen versus Austin. Here we go. Oh, this is it. I've been waiting for this one. Hart and Austin. Owen and Austin. Where did they find? I want to get into the into like the dynamic of the Hart family here because I was really fascinated by this. But where did they find Terry Austin? 
Okay, now I know that I'm not exactly like like Mr. Muscle and Fitness 2019. I'm very aware of that. Sometimes if I've had a, a week heavy on beer like I've just had, I do resemble a semi-deflated bouncy castle. I'm very aware of that. <laughs> but this guy like looked like he was just he was doing some light admin backstage and was just told can you just strip down to your pants and go and fight Owen Hart. What a doughy boy. I mean, you told him the first part of the sentence, but not the second part. <laughs> Very I'm, I'm just, But uh, he had quite the salt and pepper mullet, I will say that. It was it was sensational. I feel like he could be like a sub for Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. Well, he uh, he had potential up until he screwed up the monkey flip. And almost in horrific fashion. It, it was almost quite dangerous. But, um... Yes, I mean, we... I've seen Owen Olsen matches. Owen Olsen matches where uh, guys have had their necks broken, and it almost happened here. Unpleasant. He was. He wasn't even great. Like, like, like you can get by somebody not looking right if they can actually compete. But I, I feel like I'm really digging, not digging on Terry Austin. But uh, he was rubbish. <laughs> he was really bad. Owen Hart dragged him through this. <laughs> I, w- I will say the monkey flip spot was great because Crush was in the middle of some anecdote where, where he's uh, fleshing out some character or whatever. And uh, Owen does the monkey flip and, and Terry Austin almost dies. And, and, and Crush goes, oh, nice move, brother. Anyway, like <laughs> he just glosses it over. <laughs> it reminded me of The Simpsons when Bart, Milhouse, and Martin all bought that comic book together. And they were all up in the treehouse uh, during the thunderstorm and they're having, the, having that brawl. And Marsh says, <clears throat> Homer, would you mind going check on the, check on the kids? Homer looks outside the window and sees them choke each other and goes, mm, they're fine. <laughs> just very passively. Just... It's at this point that after Terry Olsen has his near-death experience that Vince informs us that a record-setting national television audience watched Raw last week. Yeah, they were now, very excited about this number, weren't they? But well, the problem is they didn't really qualify any further. So when Vince says record-setting national television audience, what that sounds like to me is that he's implying that the series finale of MASH from 11 years earlier was jeopardized by this rating. Now, the thing is, I thought that, but then what you got to bear in mind is that the, the phrase record-setting numbers is very vague. <laughs> And yes, it, is. it can be. It was the highest rated program on a Monday night at this time. And also record setting doesn't always mean positive because of what we're seeing in 2019. Our record setting national television audience. <laughs> oh, God. Well. They certainly are setting some kind of record in this particular year. Jesus. <laughs> How many fans can we turn off and make them go watch something on local television? They are doing a great job at the moment. They're a walking advertisement for Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, very vague on the phrase record-setting numbers. So it's at it, it, this point the crush is about 47 brothers in, and Vince is all too happy to take a phone call from Stan Lane, who is live at Madison Square Garden. Now, we're... <laughs> We are to believe, as the home television audience, that the 123 Kid and Marty Jannetty, along with the Quebecers and Johnny Polo, 
are all up in New York City while this show is going on right now. That they're, It is like a Raw taping and a SmackDown taping going on at the same time. So, well, what we know about this garden show is that Bret Hart is apparently not on it. Owen Hart is apparently not on it. Crush is apparently not on it. And we know that Savage and IRS for sure will not be on it. So, how many stars does that leave for Madison Square Garden? Um, okay, so let's think. So you have the tag champs. Um, Ramon? Razor Ramon could have potentially been there. Okay, he's free. He's free. Ramon is free. Um, who else could have been there? Um, well, Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy, obviously. They could be there. Um, Yokozuna's here. Undertaker's here. Um... Lou... How about we make it a little? How about Next we make Luka. it a little bit easier? <laughs> uh, well, he shows up later on in the show. Oh yes, he does, doesn't he? Unless, unless they he runs across the road. <laughs> unless his match is early on, and he just gets in the car. He does the old, um, he does the old Legero trick and does two shows in one night. Well, the problem is the distance between Richmond, Virginia, and New York City is quite enormous. Wouldn't matter to Legero. I'm just saying NXT UK's own Legero. I I'm I'm very familiar with the work of Legero, who would famously some weekends do three shows in one day across the country. I'm, I'm just, well, here's the driving distance. You ready? Go on. Five hours and forty minutes. Legero would do that in two. It is a 334 mile trip by ground. Oh, that's easy. That's so. So Legero would do the opening match in the one, and he'd do the main event in the other. On a Monday night in a snowy region, it wouldn't stop him. He's got snow plow. <laughs> <laughs> He's Legero. Love you, Legero. <laughs> so Stanley's on the front of the garden. He's here to give us updates throughout the night. And, and, and I'm just confused by this whole thing. I like the idea because it's that whole thing that it makes the WWF look like a much bigger operation than it is because they're like, oh, we're running two shows tonight and we've got Stan Lane reporting on the other. And it's a, the, in principle, like if you if it's perception, you know, fake it till you make it. You want to perceive your company to be massive. So we're running two shows on the same night. That's fine. But it was the execution that, that killed this dead. Yes, but, and what would have been hilarious, and just, just to jump ahead a little bit here, but to, uh, to the end of the show, there's a big brawl at the very end of the night. Can you imagine if Kid and Janetti ran out and joined into the brawl? That would have been wonderful. The the editing that would have had to been done, like the like the Jerry Lawler uh, when you when when he had to edit him out of that Survivor Series Showdown special, like like very carefully. <laughs> I would have been down with that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wow, Marty broke the time-space continuum. So. Now, I don't know how this has happened. Bear with me a second. We're still recording. It's all fine. Alexa, off. Now, I don't know what I said, but my Alexa decided to play Westlife's The Rose. And I'm trying to think what I said that made... Alexa think that I was asking for a boy band song from the 90s. Is Leguero Spanish for the rose? No, Leguero means the light, which which would which which doesn't explain that. Keep an eye on that. I don't know why that happened. That's hilarious. That is staying in the podcast. I'm a big Fair fan enough. of that. 
So, um, yeah, so yeah, the, the, the execution was, was iffy. And, and I think you could almost hear as Stan Lane was reporting via this wonky telephone line, you could almost sense Vince McMahon on the other end going, this isn't going to work tonight. This isn't, isn't going to work. You could feel it. I could just feel it from him. It was, um, as you alluded to, it was a very unique idea. And if, if for theater of their mind, it does make it seem like a big company that they're running two shows at once. One pretty star-studded and, and one at the pissing Madison Square Garden. But, uh, yeah, it was just bizarre. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they've never done anything like it since. Well, actually, there's a Raw coming up in, oh, three years from now where they try to do three venues at once. But, uh, that's, um, I think Cornette ranted about that one before. So this turns into just an extended squash. Owen just hits move after move. High back body drop. And a missile drop kick and a sharpshooter finish. Now we have a nice touch after the match here because Vince interviews the brother's heart. And he, t- and he talks to him about the tag title match that's happening at the Garden right now. Wink, wink. And, he, and, and, he's, and Vince is asking who, who they want to win since Owen and Brett are facing the Quebecers at the Rumble no matter what, title or no title. So Owen says he's pulling for the Quebecers to win because he wants a title shot. Brett, meanwhile, is pulling for Kim Jannetty because he can't be he, he can't root for the Quebecers, and he just assumes that you know they're fighting champions. I'll give us a shot later on, and you see Owen kind of make a face that, when Brett says that, like he doesn't want to believe that the Quebecers can't win this match because he wants that title shot now, and he doesn't care if the heels win it for him in order for him to get it. I just loved it. I love the subtlety of of this whole thing from the very beginning and the whole thing of how Owen was blatantly like I'm pulling for the Quebecers and Bret Hart the, the the ultimate good guy just couldn't bring himself to cheer on the Quebecers and was just like hey if that's mm-hmm. let's see how uh, how it falls and and I'm sure they'll they'll give us a title shot at some point and like you say you could just feel Owen's frustration with Bret's answer I loved it I loved it you see Owen's selfishness in real time, and he can't even mask it. He's just so giddy because he wants that title match. So good. So good. I'm, and it's the whole dynamic with these two in this little bit I really liked. It was, it, it continues to present Owen Hart as this, this sort of self, this, this, very, this very confident, somewhat egomaniacal Hart brother. The whole thing of... They came out to Owen Hart's music. I know it was Owen Hart's match, but regardless, it was like Owen Hart walked out ahead, like barely turned around to make eye contact with Brett as Brett walked behind him. It was it just little touches like that that just continued to sow that seed that would that would flourish a beautiful plant in less than a week's time. Yeah, there's a lot of subtleties here, and uh, in, in just five nights we're going to see how that all plays out because we do have a Royal Rumble uh, watch along coming up on, for our next show. We do indeed. We'll get to uh, we'll get to that later on in the show because we have a very special guest joining us for that one. Oh, indeed we do. A very, very, very important guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how about we jump on over real quick. Um, I, I have the cards right here for that Madison Square Garden event. Oh, okay. So this is the one where the uh, Janetti and One Two Three Kid are facing the Quebecers. Yes. Yeah, so I'll, 
I'll be spoiling the little detail from later on in, in this episode of Raw because of course we'll t- I'll tell you who wins. But this was a very important show because not only did you have that match, but you also had a special 30-man Madison Square Garden Rumble match. Oh. Yeah, they did kind of a dry run that night with many of the actual 94 Rumble participants and a few surprises. This may have been better than the actual 94 Rumble. I don't even know. So they put on a Rumble before the Rumble. They certainly did. Wow. An untelevised Rumble that somebody, I know this is out there somewhere, recorded with a video camera in the arena and is out there in, in like full one camera form. So there is footage of this somewhere. Yes, there is. Ah. So the card for the show, it was it, it drew 9,000 fans of the Garden, which isn't great, but it's a Monday night. Uh, a match between the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies was canceled because of, uh, because of uh, transportation problems for those guys. So that's kind of a bummer. The opening match of this show, Scott Putzky defeated Iron Mike Sharp with a Polish hammer. So uh, we've got a glittering showbiz start to begin with. Yes, the son of Ivan Putzky, who's wrestled at the Garden many a times. They were... They were hoping that he'd be uh, just like his father, but uh, not quite. They also classed him in years to come as a light heavyweight. And if you were to see a picture of Scott Pudsky, you'll realize how daft that is. Yes, Scott Pudsky was uh, quite built. Rick Steiner fought Ludwig Borger to a double count out. And here's an important note here. It was during this match that Borger sustained an ankle injury that not only kept him out of the Royal Rumble card, but also WrestleMania and and led him leaving WWF. Oh, so this is... So is this the end of Borger? Borger's done. What? Just like that. Ah, oh, I'm genuinely to... gutted. I know. I was a Borger fan too, but this, this is the end of the road. He will oh. not be appearing on Saturday night. Leave the memories alone. Borger's gone. Why didn't After Stan that... Lane ring that through? Um, That's a good question. Uh, Vince, you're gonna be very upset. You're gonna have to rearrange the card for Saturday. Um, uh, the the big finish guy just busted his leg. Hey, Vince, you know how uh, you know how you had that match. You don't anymore. <laughs> After that, we had three title matches. We had Razor beating Jeff Jarrett via DQ in an Intercontinental Title match. After Sean interfered, we had a World Title match where Yokozuna defeated Marty. Uh, sorry, defeated Tatanka. And then oh, we had tag title. And of course, you had the tag title match. Quebec was being Kid and Janetti. Uh, Kid got pinned after, after the Tower of Quebec. Polo did interfere. He calls Kid to crotch himself from the top rope. Yeah, they did allude to some shenanigans when they found it through later. Yeah, Stanley was very aghast. The former Midnight Express member was upset that somebody could do something underhanded. <laughs> so we had this Rumble match. I'm going to read the names off for who was in this match. And you tell me if this sounds better than what we're getting on Saturday. Okay, I'll tell you what. I will I will do... Uh, I'll make a noise for every person in this match that will determine how I feel about it. Okay, that sounds fun. I'll make a noise. Number one, Diesel. Ooh! Number two, Mo. <laughs> Number three, Bushwhacker Butch. Yeah! Four, the one, two, three kid. Hmm... Five, Scott Steiner. Mm-hmm. Six, Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> already, already, this is better. 
Seven, seven Samu. Yeah. Eight Bob Backlund. Uh huh. If you edit my part out, this sounds like you're um, in the world's most boring porno. <laughs> Feel free to do that if you want to. It is this audio is free for you to edit. By all means, if you want to put me in a weird porn film, then <laughs> fill your boots. The Orange Cassidy sex tape. <laughs> I, th- I think this is number eight here. Um, three, four, five, six. Num- number eight, Mr. Bob Backlund. Yay. Number nine, Jeff Jarrett. Uh-huh. Ten, Virgil. <laughs> Eleven, Bam Bam Bigelow. Hey. Twelve, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah! I do know what that means. <laughs> Thirteen, Adam Bomb. Ooh. Number 14, Sergeant Slaughter. What? Why not? Just to fill the numbers out. Was he not in the UWF at this point? Talking about how much he loved the round system. He might have been, but I mean, I guess he had a night off in that rolling schedule. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Number 15, Crush. Ooh, brother. I'm in two places at once, brother. <laughs> Number 16, Mabel. Mm-hmm. Number 17, Jim Powers. <laughs> Jim Powers. Number 18, Bastion Booger. Oh. Number 19, Bushwhacker Luke. Hey! 20, Owen Hart. Uh-huh. 21, Rick Martell. Uh-huh. 22, Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. 23, IRS. Mm-hmm. 24, Johnny Polo. Uh-huh. 25, Scott Putzky. <laughs> 26, Fatu. Oh. I may have screwed the numbers up here, because, um... Did I skip somebody? Because I... Cause I I'm going to end up one short here, I believe, but... Unless, they, you know what, they might have just had a short rumble. They might have lost count themselves, like they did with the greatest Royal Rumble Battle Royal Super Showdown in uh, Saudi Arabia, where there wasn't 50 people in there, apparently. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, well, let's see. 26 is Fatsu. 27, Marty Jannetty. Oh. 28, 28, Bart Gunn. But no Billy, <laughs> oddly enough. Oh. 29, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And 30, Doink. Hey, that's not... do you know what? There's a few randomers in there, but I mean, I think the rumble on Sunday is is a higher caliber, which isn't saying a lot, but it's well, um, it's it's certainly a, a feast for the eyes. Well, the winner of this match, if you can believe it, Owen Hart. Wow, that's cool. It came down to Owen and let's see here, Owen and. Looking under Owen Hart and Fatu. Oh, gosh. When it was down to those two, both Samu and Brett came out to support their guys. And Owen pulled it off in the end when Samu uh, Fatu collided with... Actually, Sean... Uh, no, I'm sorry. I misread that because I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, Fatu got crouched on the top rope and Owen knocked him over. And then the hearts fought both headshankers off afterwards. And Owen wins the Garden Rumble. Jeez. That seems like a really strange event to hold away from cameras. 
I think there'd be like a hidden gem somewhere on their, like either on the network or one of their DVD releases because I'd watch the hell out of that in full form. I would happily watch the the Lost Rumble that was won by Owen Hart. Absolutely, especially since freaking Sarge is in it. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see Sergeant Slaughter in a ring in '94 because I I thought he was uh, he was a persona non grata at this point. It's definitely a curiosity and something that I would definitely check out in full form. As opposed to fan cam footage. Someone's got to have it, mate. Someone's got to have something, some evidence of this. As you listen to this, this week's a hidden gem involves Sabu's tryout match in 93 against Scott Taylor, so I Ooh, definitely okay. want to see that. Yeah, that sounds cool. We get the return of the unbelievable ad with the imposter, but the hell with that, because our next match is what we're all truly here for. Tatanka versus George Mother Effing South. <laughs> <laughs> Actual George South. I am not even making fun of George South. This man is a quality worker. As Evans in this match, just the subtle things he did to make the Tonka look good. This man is a consummate preliminary wrestler. He's better than that overall. But if you need someone to make you look good and to sell exuberantly, this is your man right here, George South. It's, right. There's such a, a cross-section of, of enhancement talent this week. We've just had 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Harry Austin, and now George South plying his trade, making Tatanka look like a million dollars. We went from a bag of third-rate Lucky Charms to filet mignon, just like that. <laughs> what I like about him is he looks a little bit like, like almost like an alternative universe Jake the Snake Roberts. I was going to say a skinnier rhino. Actually, yeah, good shout, actually, a skinnier rhino. <laughs> I can see that definitely as well. He's wearing a yellow headband and a, and a long red vest, which is a very clashy look. But I'm not even going to make fun of that because it's George Southey or whatever the hell he wants to wear. <laughs> Meanwhile, Crush is a gas that Savage would waste cake like that last week on the show. Crush is... That was the thing that he was upset about. I guess it's about Crush right now. He, um, he would go off on tangents during this show. Like, he didn't need much prompting from Vince. 
to just get in the character and, and, and talk smack on Randy Savage or just lament whatever the, baby, whatever the faces were doing in the company. He was, he was fully in character this entire show, and it was great. He did stick to his guns all the way through, even when he did a couple of, t- I think once or twice, because obviously Vince likes to shoehorn in the the pop culture references and stuff, and you can hear him saying them, but even then, it still sounds like Crush saying them, not stuff that Vince has scripted him. And there is a funny moment later in the show involving those pop culture references involving Crush, but for, before we get to that, we have a wonderful moment in this match where George South chops the tongue up, some fan heckles him, so he sticks his tongue out at the fan. I laughed. I didn't see this part. I'm gonna George South. Look back and re- I'm going to have to rewind this now and see if I can see it. It's very early in the match when he just gives the tongue at this, cor- this corner chop. And you, you just see him very fast and just go, mm, as somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Lane calls him again. I'm sure Vince is thrilled because it's less crush. Crush, I should point out, uh, wasn't that good on this show overall. He was um, a lot of brothers. Uh, he, he makes me look like a freaking Churchill when it comes to orating. He doesn't, yeah. It's He's not going to fit very well on the Bartlett Heenan scale once we get to it, I don't believe. He tried, he tried, but it was it was rough. So this is a, just a very, very textbook squash match. Tonka takes control, starts doing the war dance. South begs off from the war dance, as he should. I quite liked his very subtle beg off. Like, he he, get, he was beating him up in the corner, and then he gave him a shot in the ribs, and he could just see him winding mm. up. And it was just like a very subtle, like, put his hand out, went kind of, all right, no more. Like, it wasn't like a big <laughs> motion. It was just a very subtle, like, all right, don't. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, I think you do. Um, Don't do it, please. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Oh, no, I, please, don't do it. I no, He's doing the hoppy foot thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think how Larry David would do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George, George, yeah. Larry David's a good shout. George knew what was coming. <laughs> Curb your kayfabe. <laughs> John! Womp, womp, da, da, da. John, can you please put Larry David, uh, sorry, can you please put George South in Curb Your Enthusiasm? He can us. be funk out. He could be Funkhauser. He could be uh, Jeff. I don't care who he is. I'll leave it with you, sir. So Tatanka finishes with a flying tomahawk chop, which is possibly a cooler move than the Samoan drop end of the trail. Just a flying chop right to the friggin' skull. Makes more sense, a tomahawk chop as his finisher. Off the top rope as well. Yeah. And then we get a, we show this goth mom in the crowd celebrating Tatanka winning, which... I don't know, in on her for some reason. Did you not know that Tatanka's a big hit with the goth mums? Apparently. I thought I was going to know for a second. I wish she would have been too young at the time. Uh, I just put my notes, more George South, please. Yeah, I think I was... I think when I saw him, I thought, oh, he looks a bit doughy as well. They're all a bit doughy this week. Not knowing what I truly know about George South. But then mm-hmm. you can... And you've taught me this. You can very much appreciate... Uh, when when an enhancement talent is really enhancing, which is what they're yeah, some, there to do. Some are just local guys who are, who are just there to fill out the numbers, and some are, are masters of their craft, and George South is the latter. He's a very giving man. And, and, he, and he knows how to sell. Mm-hmm. We then come to what... 
we have a we have a video for our reigning women's champion Alundra Blaze. Because it's basically the who is Lex Luger of women's wrestling vignettes here. Although she's although she's not talking, they're just showing her in action. Now, what does action consist of? It's her training in the gym. Okay, that's fine. She's throwing she's throwing kicks at a heavy bag. She was doing some boxing, yeah. Uh huh. And and then they show her on a motorcycle. Okay, so they're showing her cool side, like you know, she, you know she's badass, and you know, she's a tough woman. You don't want to mess with Alundra Blaze. And she was on a jet ski. Uh huh. And then they show her walking on the beach in a bikini. Okay, you know, you're going for sex appeal here, I guess, and that's fine. And then the weird thing is, this was filmed at like sunset, so the lighting isn't great on this. You see enough of her, but it's it it, it, it could have been filmed much better. And then she turns her head away to look at the ocean, and that's when they do the freeze frame and put the Chiron up of Olympic Women's Champion. Like she's not even looking at the freaking camera. It felt far deeper than it needed to be. <laughs> it's like a dating service video that was like filmed all wrong. Do you know what? That's actually a really good shout. It felt like a dating service video. It did not feel <laughs> like a, let's take a look at our women's champion. Because we saw like, do you know, and also this reminded me of, and it showed that it took us a long time for us to truly evolve women's wrestling in the WWF. Because do you remember the Sable VHS that they put out? Um, as, as someone's a teenager at the time, yes. Yes, you do. And you remember the advert <laughs> for it? Um. I think I remember it. It was exactly this. It was Sable briefly in the ring. Then it was Sable working out. Then it was Sable like on a jet ski or something. Then it was Sable on the beach. It was the same thing. And, we and didn't evolve almost, much uh, in between 1994 and 1999. I think I remember what. You, what I think I remember this now. And I, it, it does have the parallel of it's like you know. We want to show that she's a beautiful woman because sex appeal is important. But it's like, but it's like, you know, she's not just that. She does stuff also. It's almost, it's almost condescending in that sense. Yeah. It's, uh, can you imagine <laughs> if, like, let's take a look at your intercontinental champion, Razor Ramon. And it's a Razor winning the belt. And then it's Razor in the gym. Then it's Razor just, like, on a motorbike. And then it's just sort of Razor <laughs> getting his bum out. <laughs> So Chico, if you like sunsets, and and you like going to the beach, and and you like uh, going out for sushi, as Razor Ramon does, then call this number, Chico, <laughs> and say hello to the bad guy. <laughs> the world will be ours. <laughs> <laughs> So let me go from that. Um, a bit of amazingness. It's events trying way too hard to be topical. It's the bumper for com for the commercial break, you know. And they're coming up next, and you know, it, it's a Yoko interview, but he ties it in to the very real Northridge earthquake from earlier that day that devastated Southern California. There's an earthquake in California. It was very surprising. It's very surprising. Here comes Yokozuna. It's like people <laughs> died in that. <laughs> Bad form, that, Vince. Bad form. That was a big deal, the Northridge earthquake. I, like, I remember, I was 10 when that happened, but I remember it because it was that monumental. It was the other side of the country, I remember. A 7.1 earthquake. It's just... 
Vince just went, there was an earthquake. We'll use that. Uh, no, Vince, do you want to read any more into it? No, there was an earthquake. That's all we need. That'll be fine. John Tenter's coming back. <laughs> yeah, if it had been the return of John Tenter tonight, that would have been great. I, I just searched for it real fast. Property damage from that earthquake was estimated in 2019 dollars at $85 Flip it, And this is Los Angeles, a major epicenter of, you know, just activity. This is like a, a major cultural hub here that was damaged. This was a big deal, this earthquake. This wasn't a garden variety, like, oh, I, I felt it shift. Oh, well, back to work. This wasn't <laughs> that. Because <laughs> I had an earthquake once here in New Jersey. For 20 seconds, it did no damage, but I remember it, and this was, ooh, this was catastrophic. Yeah, that's most most earthquakes, like, on the very rare occasion that there's any earthquake-based activity in the UK, it is like a light rumble for a few seconds in the middle of the night, and then followed by several hours of people making the same joke. Oh, did the earth move for you last night? That's a British <laughs> earthquake. When ours happened back in 2011, the very brief, uh, actually down in Virginia, Almost in your show, see what they're watching here. But we've, I saw it for like 20 seconds, and people posted photos on Facebook of like a, a lawn chair on its side. We survived the 2011 earthquake. We shall rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> so Yoko comes out. He has Fuji with him. No cornet, because I guess he was busy on the Raw one year anniversary show. I so mean, yes, yeah, so the, the excuse they use is that um, Jim Cornette is in Tokyo giving a press conference like so it, for kayfabe purposes why are you sending the american to a press conference in tokyo why aren't you sending mr fuji to a press conference in tokyo because <laughs> he's like, not japanese either <laughs> but it's close enough <laughs> well yes <laughs> i wish there was footage of this guy because i want to see cornet address the japanese well that's it it's only because like because because Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji are portrayed as Japanese invaders, which they're yes. not. But why, <laughs> why send Cornette, the one that can, like, cut a promo? Sorry, Fuji, but <laughs> it's true. He's playing dickbag with the Japanese version of Sean Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Fuji wasn't too bad here, to be fair. Like, I, I was frightened when he was the, the lead speaker because in, in the past, it's not been great. But he was actually, he was all right here, all, all jokes aside. Yes, it's Vince interviewing Yoko and Fuji. Thus putting Crush alone on commentary, which is not promising. Uh, Vince asks, hey, is Cornette fired? And if so, is Fuji going to be next? Because Vince is a dick. Vince just stirs, and Crush did call him out on it, to be fair. Like several times. So Vince says the word casket, and Yoko, of course, does the uh, double take. Huh? What? Well, casket? Because he hates that word. So Paul Bear brings out a casket. Which is great, because the, um, I guess the terrain was a bit uneven, so the, the urn's on top of it shaking. This is where, like, the, the production values for the WWE shine so well. 
compared to this. So, like, in 1993, if this was 2019, there'd be lighting effects, like, up and down the arena, and it would be, it would almost, there'd be a smoke billowing down the aisle, and it would almost appear to be floating down the aisle. It would be so magical and mystical. Yet, this is, basically, they put this double-wide, double-deep casket on what looks like a trolley. And they're just wheeling it down with the urn, as you said, just wobbling on the top. And a few times some kids reached across from the crowd to try and knock it over. Paul Bear is labored here trying to get this thing down the aisle way. He is struggling. As the urn shakes, like, in, in, as I meant to say, you know, the Northridge Earthquake must be here too. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was a, it was a, a very unpolished visual. Paul Bear would have had an easier time at the Stonecutter's headquarters walking down while he hit, while he hit him in the ass with the paddles. <laughs> the paddling of the swollen ass with paddles. <laughs> Make it double wide and double deep. John, Paul Bear is a Stonecutter. John, off you go. That's going to take your song, the Stonecutter anthem. Because <laughs> also, as... as <laughs> You, I can, I do feel for Paul Bearer in this bit because he is pushing the entire thing. Like, un- <laughs> okay, I, I had a theory on what what might be happening, but we have to finish off talking about this segment before I can give my theory. <laughs> Who refuses to do the jobs? Who pulled a rib on Brian Knobs? We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Finn tries to beckon Yoko toward the casket. What a dick. <laughs> he is just a he is a dick. <laughs> it's like it's like Vince wants Yoko to die. Then Crush gives us this immortal line, which was always incredible because it's Crush saying it. So she, he assures the audience that Fuji has sent Yoko to a hypnotist. Yeah. In order to, it's like to cure him of his fear of caskets. Like, where's that vignette? Yeah, I want to see that segment. I don't want just Crush to tell me. I want to see that segment on, like, WWF All-American or something. I want Dr. Shelby to be using a watch that was pulled from Christopher Walken's ass to convince you that the caskets are not a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) This ungodly hunk of metal up his ass (laughs) for five years until he died of dysentery. Oh, so that, is, that is an image. So then Fuji tries to convince Yoko to crush the casket in order to just you know, send a message to Taker and like, here's your stupid casket. You'd be gutted. He'd spent weeks on that. I know. It, 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 would be, um, it would be tragic if he destroyed his life's work like that. Yeah. You'd still get invoiced for it, mind. Um, I'm sure. But before any cas- casket squashage could happen, Taker pops out of the casket Yoko falls down and scurries away. Oh, and Yoko does tumble, doesn't he? Like, the, the Undertaker bursts out of the casket, and Yoko is... You know, Yoko is... He, he gets so tired so quickly as a wrestler. But what he does really well is he takes that bump onto his bum really well. Like, he falls back like a newborn baby. He does it a couple of times throughout his feud with The Undertaker. And and I always think it's a really impressive-looking thing to have a guy this big, this wide, just falling back onto his bum like a child. Well, he does have a lot of cushion to land on. It's true. It's the safest bump he takes. 
He hasn't, got a Dan, he hasn't got a Dan DeBeal to catch him underneath there, sadly. It's, it's the end of your crash pad. <laughs> so the Undertaker was in there the whole time. Uh, yes, as he's done, as he would do many times over the years. Uh, Which made me think, like, obviously Paul Bearer was really struggling to get this casket from from the stage down to the ring. I kind of like the the idea of, like, little little leg holes in the bottom of the casket where Undertaker was sort of, like, moving it along like a Flintstones car to help him out. <laughs> I hear the twinkle toes now. <laughs> If we looked inside there, would we see little holes for Undertaker's feet to get through? Hey, Barney, help me dig up this corpse. <laughs> I guess Paul. I guess Paul Bear is Barney because he because he's short and stocky. <laughs> hey, of course he is. Hey, Paulie. How are we doing, Fred? I guess Michelle McCool be Wilma then. It tastes good like a cigarette should. <laughs> so. So after Taker uh, gives Yoko a near heart attack, Crush has to leave in the commercial break. <laughs> and in order to do this, he's, we had the we had the graphic of Savage in IRS, and Crush has to talk over it. He goes, "Still to come, that rat Macho Man Randy Savage is my friend IRS. Macho Man, you're going." And he cuts off. <laughs> He sounded a bit like the uh, like the bold eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> Everything <laughs> stinks. I'm I'm not sure where I'm at on Crusher as a commentator. Like, like he's not great, but he's entertaining me at least. Are you kind of coming round to him a little bit? Yeah, I mean, he has his charm. I prefer him to Corey Graves, I think. I think he's better than. I think he's better than the Quebecers on the old Bartlett Heenan scale. I would say so, but we'll judge that at the, at the end of the night because he, he still has two matches to go. He can possibly uh, you know, sway us further. So we have Diesel versus Scott Powers. Oh, well, we have before that, before oh, right. that, yeah. we have a little promo, which, I, which I'm very intrigued by. Because well, it's hyping up... The heart, the Brett and Owen Hart versus the Head Shrinkers. Right now, am I right in thinking this is the go home show for the the go home show for the Royal Rumble? What we're watching here is the go home show. So this is and 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 if you know your history, you'll you'll appreciate why this is a a, a beautiful red herring. How they're talking about next week after the Royal Rumble, the Hearts are taking on the Head Shrinkers. So like they're getting their feet into the tag team division. Well, because the hearts are beating as one here. Exactly. And I love that. I love that little... Like, normally I wouldn't be like, ah, it's a weird match to tease, but there you go. But I love that. I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great match. Shame we're not going to see it. Exactly. And that's why I liked it. Because it, it was a red herring. A very good red herring, too. Although, if you read between the lines, you know Owen's not going to be a face for much longer based on how he's been acting. Oh yeah, exactly. But you don't. I don't think you're expecting when you see that, and you know they've got a match on Sunday. You you might not if you're watching the timeline normally. You wouldn't necessarily predict the the blow up to happen as soon as it does. Uh, quite possibly, especially mm. since they're hyping this match for next week. Yes. 
So Diesel versus Scott Powers. Powers looks like Honey, I Shrunk Isaac Yankum. <laughs> it's an odd, yeah, he's a, he's a peculiar shape. He's old Scott Powers. It's during this match that Crush has to get topical. And um, there's a certain seamlessness it takes in order to pull this off. You have to actually sound like you give a damn about whatever Vince has tasked you to, t- to discuss during the match. Now, there's a big news story at this point. We, this is weeks after the Tanya Harding authorized assault of Nancy Kerrigan. And that was huge tabloid fodder for some time. On, on the eve of the 94 Winter Olympics. Ah, yes. If you watch I, Tonya, which I believe is on Amazon Video, all is revealed on that. But it doesn't feature Crush giving his two pence worth, sadly. Because I don't think Crush had two pence worth to give uh, about this uh, whole story. And I, I remember that dominated the news. Nancy Kerrigan, why me? And, you know, with the big bruise on her leg lying down on the floor. and uh, That was like pro wrestling done well. The Harding-Kerrigan feud. But um, the Crush sounds not forced whatsoever doing this. Hey, Vince, what do you think of the whole Tanya Harding? Uh, like, like, like he, he almost, he almost read the line where it says turn card over. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of turn card over? <laughs> oh, what do you think of Tanya Harding? <laughs> what do you think of the national deficit? <laughs> <laughs> It has that level of authenticity to it. Vince McMahon scripting promos that don't fit the wrestlers since 1994. As Jim Nance would say when it comes to the U.S. Open coverage, a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> it truly, truly is. We got a great moment during this match where Diesel throws uh, powers to the floor. I guess Scott Powers is an awesome name for a jobber. What I like is, with and we didn't mention this, but when... Um, Howard Finkel announced Scott Powers. It shows Scott Powers, shows his name thing, and as his name comes up and they say his name, he shrugs. <laughs> it's it's like the least ambitious like pose. You know how not now they're sort of, the wrestlers are taught like every bit of their entrance is important, like how they hold their arms and hands and create mm-hmm. stuff. Scott Powers just shrugs, <laughs> as if to go, I don't, I don't care. He's like if Orange Cassidy did his hair like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> he's the he's the ninety four Orange Cassidy. Here's Scott Powers. Whatever. <laughs> so we get a bit where Diesel throws Powers to the outside, and Diesel has referee distracted because he know he needs help to beat Scott Powers. Sean slugs Powers with a big right hand, and as soon as Fonzie turns around, Sean's got his arm, arm around Powers. He's helping him up like, "Hey, kid, you all right?" And helps him back in the ring gently. That was nice. <laughs> it's at this point in the show that Stan Lane calls back. He, he puts two more quarters into the payphone at the garden. This is the, the final time we check in with Stan Lane. And you know what? By this point, again, as I say in the first bit, you could tell Vince was fed up with this. And I think this was the shortest bit that they did with Stan Lane the whole night. This was lasted about 20 seconds, if that. And this was the informative one. Yeah, this is the bit we needed. Yeah, this is the exposition that, that, that's vital here because it he, he tells us that you know, the crowd is heartbroken at the garden. No, they're not. Johnny Polar, a little bit of treachery there. The Quebecers have regained the belts. Kid and Janae must be disappointed. Crush is like, yes, he's very happy. 
or according to the closed captioning, because I like to watch these with the closed captioning on, just in case I miss a couple of lines or stuff. And sure. and if you're so if you're watching this and you and you can't hear the episode, you you don't worry. The closed captioning allows you to be just as confused as we are, because the closed captioning says, um, "The crowd is heartbroken. They can't believe what happened. Johnny Polo got away with the one, two, three kid and indistinct." With Rob Dov, indistinct. I told you, Vince, indistinct. Upset and disconsolate. Disconsolate, even. And that's all that we see. So we, if you if you can't hear it, you you know just as much as we do. Yeah, Stan Lane is um. Wait, really? I mean, I, I could hear what he was saying. It was like the laziest closed caption person ever <laughs> they're pretty lazy on the closed captioning like the time when um pierre was speaking and it just had in brackets speaking foreign it was 4 45 on a friday and they're about to, about to be off for the weekend and they're just like you know uh, uh screwing and he just ran out of there with his belongings that was it they wanted to be gone didn't they diesel hits a gut wrench powerbomb one point which which doesn't finish the match oddly enough then Vince promotes an 80-year-old fan who watches Raw every week. He's like, happy birthday to this person. And then he plugs a Matthew Modine movie seconds later. There is so much going on during this rather pointless match. We've had so many matches tonight where there's been little really in the way of exposition. But you could have slotted any of this in there. But the fact that they've gone, we've got to plug this TV show. We've got to shout out this old fan. Crush has got to get his topical joke in. Oh, and... We need some storyline exposition from Madison Square Garden all in one match. It's, it's it's not very spread even here, is it? No, no. But then I think timing is something that they're still getting to grips with on Monday Night Raw. And they may do for years to come. Certainly. Diesel finishes with a big boot and a running elbows, an elbow drop. Then Sean climbs in the ring, walks over, powers a dead body in order to hug Diesel. That was a nice touch where he just walked Sean... over his body to hug him. Sean adds so much to these shows without even trying. He really does. Like he's like just him being there inc- increases the stock of this show. Is it any wonder why he was the next top guy? Yeah, it's it's it, from here you can tell. You could tell a year ago to be fair. We get the Rumble report with Pettengill. Very straightforward. It, it's the four matches. Uh, well, he, he plugs the Tonka Borga, which they didn't know was which false advertising at the time. But hey, cards have to change. But yes, it's the three title matches plus the Rumble. I'm looking forward to doing this show with uh, you, me, and do you want to say it? Our special guest. Shall we? Yeah, we'll announce him now. So um, we are very pleased to be welcoming our special guest from the Cultaholic A-Team, I guess, because he does the other podcast on here. If you like a lot of wrestling on your podcast, (laughs) Matthew Gregg is joining us. If he can't make it, I'll just do an impression of him for two hours. (laughs) Well, I'm very happy to do the show with you guys. (laughs) How are you doing? You're right. How are you doing, Justin? You're right. (laughs) His voice should not be that deep. Do you know what? When I first spoke to Matthew for the very first time, his voice did shock me. And, and and it was and I'm now used to it now, and it's it's actually very endearing. I love the guy to death, and he spends far more time with me than he wants to, and he's willing to spend at least another couple of hours with me. So I'm very delighted. 
He's like if DJ Qual smoked five packs of Marlboros a day. <laughs> yeah, it's true, but he's he's smoke free as far as I know. <laughs> if I was going to defend this cold tonic championship against anybody, it would be you, and it would probably be Matthew. Nobody else gets a look in, especially after Adam's just sent me letters all week like a flipping postman. Yeah, he is. He can't even write in cursive. What's up with that? I'm a postman. He can't write in cursive. Mm. Yes. But, but yes, we're very happy to have Matthew on, and we're honored because uh, he's done a lot to further wrestling slash humor here on the internet, and uh, he's, he's an idol to all of us, I think. Very much the wrestling world online wouldn't be what it is without Matthew Gregg, whether you know it or you don't. Before I even met Matthew Gregg, me and my brothers uh, would go on holiday and we spent, we one holiday in particular, we spent most of the time watching Botchamania videos before I'd even met Matthew. So I was so delighted to actually get to meet him and then tell my brother I'm hanging out with the guy who made those videos that we watched on holiday. And my brother was like, that is incredible. So big love to Matthew Gregg. It's lovely to welcome him onto the show. And for that, he will go into our Hall of Fame this week, along with, I don't know, some shoes that Ross wore, the letter Y, and, I don't know, a, fo- a footballer that Jack likes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they do on that other podcast. Don't listen. <laughs> I think they discuss wrestling. I'm not sure. They they sometimes do, and they call people diddlers. That's what I know. <laughs> I know Jack wears a hat with the dog crap on it. My he dog does. crap on the Dallas Cowboys logo. <laughs> he does. He does do that as well. The Cold Holly Podcast. It's worth your time. So we go to the main event now. Macho Man Randy Savage versus Erwin R. Scheister. Vince tells us that Savage is the Joe Montana of WWF. Here's a line you won't get. It's like, well, I guess every other 40-plus-year-old is Steve Young then because they replaced him. <laughs> and they get used. I like how, with this match, IRS just comes firing out of the blocks. Like, immediately. Like, we, we don't even get his whole promo about, you text, cheats, da 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 Because he does that during the break. Heaven forbid something happens on a wrestling show during a break. Um, so when we come back, he's putting his mic down, and then he just slides into the ring and just decks Randy Savage. Well, he, he's upset about the cake. Yowie wowie. Yowie wowie. <laughs> this is Yowie wowie senior. I was hoping Iris would still have the cake all over his outfit because it's the same taping. Like yeah, I was hoping mess. that they would stick with it, but they uh, <laughs> they made him change. It made me sad. Hey. It actually rhymes. A hot mess IRS. <laughs> he was the Chelsea Green of his day. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. So for parallel, Zach Ryder should try to date uh, Bo Dallas or something. But anyway. <laughs> so Savage... So... Savage Iris spills out to the outside. Iris sends Savage Kareem face first into the Halliburton on the ring steps, and Savage takes this great bump off of it. Oh, he does, like, doesn't he? He bounces off that suit, off that briefcase. I think one of his novelty scissor boxing gloves came out of something and hit him in the face, and he just went flying. Unbelievable. So Savage is now staring like a drunk man with a with a chair in his hand because he's <laughs> he's both he's, his head's in the cloud and he, and, and he's feel like vengeful. So he's got a chair. He's just staggering around ringside with it. He may have been hammered. Who knows? 
it's, it's at this point that I wrote, why is the goddamn floor made of plywood? I hadn't noticed that. Look past the uh, you're right, mats. it is, yeah. It's, it's like, what? Were they under construction or something? What the hell? It feels like they made a barn. That's what it feels like. Crush gets in his his brother quota. Suplex brother. Would it be one of these cases, which just to go back to the plywood thing, where this would have been like another sports venue, like a basketball venue or a hockey venue or something? So they need to put something down to cover up all the ice. It it is possible. It's certainly possible, but it it looks very bargain basement though. Yeah, it looks it looks cheap and tacky. Don't get any cake on the floor. We're having a. Having a skating party Friday. <laughs> why is um, why is it run by Jameson? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going more for Urkel, I guess. Same di- same meat, different gravy. <laughs> so Crush has to correct Vince on a chokehold here. It's not a chokehold. Look at the look what the elbow is, brother. It's not even the right right place. Uh, Crush can be a color commentator. He knows what he's talking about. Crush actually knows his stuff. And I think when he's invested in a match, he's really strong as a commentator. And obviously he's invested in this. It's like, my friend Armour is that piece of garbage, Randy Savage. That rat, that turncoat. <laughs> it's at this point in the match that Vince gets in an incredible line. And seeing how uh, we're just days away from the Evolve going up against... Um, the fight for the Fallen show, and how does now rumor out that Vince going to try something to uh, try and you know oppose All Out even more so, other than just the NFC UK show? Vince says the following line verbatim about the Royal Rumble: "It's pay-per-view the way pay-per-view should be, only from the Royal Wrestling Federation." Oh, so that's a that's a knock at somebody. That's that's a that's a shot across well, the bowels of WCW. Well, it sounded like he was saying. Only we should do pay-per-view. Nobody else should be allowed to. Were the only ones allowed to do pay-per-view, thank you. How imperialistic. It is a bit. It's very Vince McMahon, though. Very on-brand. It's very on-brand for Vince McMahon. I think he probably meant to say something else. He just got his words mangled a little bit, but it came out with the intended, unintended imperialism. (laughs) Intended, unintended imperialism is tight. Intended, unintended imperialism. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm then, watching a lot of pitch meetings. I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. So Crush, at this point, livens the show up by completely no-selling Vince's Bill Clinton anecdote. Vince is trying to set him up. Bill Clinton's back from the or- from the Orient. Uh, he's back. Are you watching Raw? Crush is like, I'm watching this match, brother. Shut up. <laughs> That's what won me over for Crush right there. It felt like a... the old school joke. It's like the old, I think it's a British joke, is it? Where, where the setup line is, um, oh, um, my my wife's gone to the West Indies. And then the line you're meant to go is, oh, really, Jamaica? And then you yes. go, no, she went of her own accord. <laughs> it felt I like they I were setting that. up for that or something like that. <laughs> and then Crush no-sold it. Like, like whatever, brother, I don't care about the president, brother. I'm watching this match inside. This guy I hate is in it. Because it's true. Why would Crush give two dams about Bill Clinton when the when his mortal enemy is ten feet away from him? Absolutely, absolutely. 
Krishna isn't the type to be an objective journalist. He's wearing a sleeveless flannel shirt, looking like 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 Eddie Vedder could be hit with a gamma ray. <laughs> and, and and he's ready to kill this man who is in the ring because he hates his guts and wants him dead. So then, so then Savage goes to the floor, tries to grab Crush. There's a skirmish, but everybody gets pulled away. Then Vince has the gall to yell at Crush because Savage accosted him. <laughs> he, he is it's probably blaming. Crush's fault anyway. Victim blame. See, see, Crush shouldn't have had bare arms like that. Exactly. It's not his right to bare arms. <laughs> oh, hi hey So... We have a wonderful um, production edit here because Chris has to run in for the DQ. And this commentary, of course, is being recorded virtually live. I, I wonder if Vincent Chris were at, were at the garden doing this, quite possibly. And um, Chris has this, like, like, Chris has the, his lead is, Vince, I've had enough of this. I'm going, going after him. He puts a headset down and goes after Savage. But the thing is, by the time he gets to Randy Savage and you hear the headset drop, there was not enough time for him to have gotten from one place to the other. He could have been already stood up. Quite well, quite possibly, but Crush is in. He's not. He's not a cruiserweight. He's not. He's not Cedric Alexander. He's not that fast. He he's a big lumbering monster. Okay, so you think this was added in post? Uh, well, well, the commentary definitely was. The ones where they're not on camera. So it was just one of those little things that didn't didn't hurt to show any, but I noticed and. I riff on it because it's kind of funny. Yeah, I like. I do like stuff like that where the wires slightly show. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, you couldn't have been that quick. It was what it was. So Crush calls the DQ. He attacks Savage. Him and Iris are beating him down, looking like the world's toughest street gang uh, guy in a sleeveless flannel shirt and war paint, and a guy in, a, in suspenders and a necktie. It's um so they're beating Savage up. Here comes the Tonka. He gets knocked out with one shot because it's like midnight run where guys get knocked out with one punch. <laughs> then, then Yoko comes out for no reason because he because I guess he's I guess Tigger was forced out of the building or whatever because we don't see him again. Yoko assists in the beating and out comes Lecture. It's like Apollo Creed. He, it was jumps. a it was quite the outfit that he had on. Mm. Living in America? I want to hear the Lex version of this song where he just like, sounds like he's questioning everything. I think New his Orleans? outfit was the most confident thing he was ever wearing. Atlanta, GA? <laughs> he was born and raised in the US of A? <laughs> he's incredulous. I don't mind the Apollo Creed look, the sort of like sports jacket and boots type thing where he looks a bit like a boxer. I don't mind it too much. He needs a top hat, though. <laughs> that would have put him over the top, I think. So then Diesel and Sean hit the ring, then out comes Brett, not Owen, because Owen doesn't give a damn. It's at this point ever, who the hell's wrestling at the Garden, then? If they're all here, then... Yeah, unless the garden show finished about an hour ago and they all got the same bus. That's a pretty fast bus. It's a very fast bus. It's a bus driven by Leggero, who's done two shows whilst this show's going on. So the show ends with a brawl. Vince is like, you know, it's like, it's like a preview of the Royal Rumble this Saturday night. And... Well, yeah. I like that. Go. I like that as a go-home shot. Like, all the goodies and all the baddies just having a big old scrap 
going like, hey, it's going to be like that at the Rumble. Gets in the mood to see a fight. Unless you're in Madison Square Garden, in which case you've already seen a Rumble. I got to see Jim Powers, brother of Scott Powers, so I'm good. Yeah, that's all we need. But um, what did we make of the go-home for, for the Rumble? It was basic, but it was fun. It did what it was supposed to do. It hyped up all the big matches. And um, although it is a bit weird, Savage and Crush got the most hype when they're just two entrants in the same match. Kind of an awkward to have Crush be the color commentator. Yeah, I, 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 if you, you could have had him as the commentator for the last match, but to make him the commentator for the whole night seemed a bit pointless. Whether they were just short of bodies that night to do it. You could have Terry Austin do it. <laughs> yeah, he was, free. he was free after the first match. He could have popped by. <laughs> so, Terry, how did you hurt get like that? Uh, my mom was an SOS pad. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the hard-hitting questions. But yeah, I thought as a um, as a go home for the rumble, it was fine. I think we've um, we've we've got some nice little subtlety with Brett and Owen. Um, they've got a tag match next week after the rumble. Wink, wink. Um, although the the segment itself was badly done because of a, an appalling phone line, I'm presuming it was a potato with some string coming out of it. Um, despite this, it was actually I like the whole idea of. As we said earlier, there's a live show going on somewhere else and we're keeping you up to speed with it. I like <laughs> that as a thing. Vince, why is Slaughter in the Rumble? Back, anyway, I'm back to... Uh, <laughs> we have a back connection with Stan Lane. The Slaughter's out here with one of the powers. What's going on? Vince, kid just busted his leg in the Rumble. He's like, he can't work Saturday. <laughs> Shut up. So Vince, you know you had all that stuff planned with Ludwig Borger, um, and you know how Rick Steiner's really in favour at the moment. You're gonna love this. <laughs> uh, well, some plans don't work. Out, don't work out the way you were hoping they would. Exactly not. Exactly not. So the next time we speak will be next week, and it will be a Royal Rumble Cultaholic Classic Watch Along. Yay! With, with with you, me, and El Jefe de Bachamania. And El Jefe de Jordi, Matthew Gregg, will be here as well to complete the triumvirate. And together, us three will watch the whole Royal Rumble from 1994 and make all the funny comments through it. <laughs> I recently implored Sydney, implored Sydney to watch the Yokozuna Taker match in the Rumble. And boy, did she have some questions. Oh, excellent. I look forward to fielding some of her questions. <laughs> now you'll be asking some of the same questions <laughs> come to watch along, and believe me. It's um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Well, we're excited to watch it, and we're excited for you to watch it along with us. Until then, he is... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. Oh, who's this? This is important. We have to, we have to judge Crush's commentary performance on the oh, scale. Oh, yeah, we haven't put him on the Bartlett, on the Bartlett Heen scale. This is important. Okay. Um, I thought he redeemed himself at points. I don't <laughs> think he was the worst. Because um, I think that that was really the Quebecers, potentially. Or even Shawn Michaels. Sorry, Shawn. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him four and a half out of ten. I'm going to give him a solid six just because he knows sold the Bill Clinton anecdote. <laughs> Possibly out of spite. Okay, so we'll meet. I tell you, what, what do we meet in the middle and give him a five? It sounds good. 
Okay, five out of ten on the Heenan Bartlett scale for one crush. Thanks for coming, mate. Put your face he's in fun. He's a solid amputee Ty Dillinger. <laughs> also, keep an eye on the uh, Cultaholic YouTube channel and stuff because, uh, as I've said, as your Cultaholic champion, um, Adam Pajit has kind of ruined it for me a little bit. He's done a, <laughs> done a urination in my cornflakes. And I should probably address that. So keep an eye on YouTube. You never know what I'll say. <laughs> Something about that in a bit. Until then, until next time, at JRH Rising on Twitter, I'm at Tom Campbell. Oh, I can't wait to watch the Royal Rumble League. I love you, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.